Uh, church, would you please remain standing for the reading of God's word? And as a reminder, we do this because he is holy, that he is good, and that we give him reverence. Today's scripture reading is from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Amen. Thank you, Christina. Good morning. Happy New Year. Yeah, my name is Dave. I'm um, the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and uh, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad we can be together. I'm, I'm thankful that it's warm in here, inside. Yes. It, um, now, when it's August and, we're, and it's warm in here, we won't be thankful, but right now we are. The, the first time we ever had a, a New Year's um, service in here, and it was 2015. It was our first time uh, we were, had only been in here in this school for a few months, and we came in not knowing what to expect, and it was freezing. You could see your breath, like there was a fog in here, because when we were singing, um, yeah, there was, it, was, it was nuts. So again, I'm thankful. They, and we're still in that spot, though, of unknown. When we show up, we're like, what are we going to get? And we got warm and cozy this morning, praise God. Um, if you're new, uh, again, I want to say welcome. I also want to let you know I stutter, so it'll come in and out. That's not always how I introduce myself, but um, I want to make sure, though, that you know what that is, and it'll kind of come in and out as, as I go, as I preach. And, um, and uh, so, again, I want to make sure that you know what that is. So go ahead and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, as Christina read for us. Thank you, Christina. And that's what we're going to hunker down in. And we'll be back in John next week, so you know. Um, but, but this week, we're going to spend some time in Hebrews 13 together. So if you have a copy of God's Word with you or an app, um, go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible, will you hold your hand up high and keep it up, and we will get you one, okay? We want to make sure that you have a Bible. Um, y, y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, le su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, um, eso es un regalo a usted. So this is our gift to you. If you don't own a copy of God's Word, will you uh, keep this, put your name in it, um, underline it. We're not going to give you another one. No, I'm just kidding. We'll, we will if you need. But, uh, but again, we want to make sure, though, that you know this is God speaking to us. And so to that end, will you join me in prayer as we go before him and uh, ask for his oversight in our time together? Father, we come before you um, humbly and, uh, Lord, expectantly. I come expectantly. And, and I don't know where everyone is this mo morning. It's, um, Lord, probably many of us are in different places. But I, I come with a sense of desperate need for you to speak to us through your word. I am aware, uh, Lord, that I come in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and claiming to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I, I pray that for all of us in here, Lord, our faith will not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so to that end, we invite, we ask your Holy Spirit to speak through your word, Jesus. Amen. 
church, how are you doing? And I'm going to do, you know, what you might do when someone asks you that, and then you want to kind of quickly move on, right? Just give a, a trite answer. Oh, I'm good, and then kind of move on. But I want to ask you to genuinely look inward and even invite yourself to ask that question, to answer that question. How am I doing? Uh, this time of year has always felt a little bit di- disorienting to me. I've heard a number of people say, I don't even know what day of the week it is. I don't, I don't know. Well, it is Sunday. You're, you're here. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a weird time. I think this year, probably more than m- most, right? We kind of thought we were, quote, unquote, back, back to n- normal, right? People are gathering in sports stadiums and things like that. And then all of a sudden, games are canceled and you know, it's just this, it's kind of disorienting. It's, it's strange, feels weird. In general, it is. I think uh, it's like the tick of a clock goes from indulgence to all of a sudden, like, discipline, right, and resolve. <laughs> like, one second is the difference between, it's like, all right, I better, right, chug this last beverage, eat this last whatever morsel, and then, you know, once that clock ticks, it's different. And now, I don't know if you're like me. I'm like, oh, I'll start on the second. Or uh, I planned on going for a run or doing something yesterday, but it was freezing. So I'm like, no, I might as well sit home and watch four fo- football games and right, just keep eating. But it is. It's, 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 it's disorienting. And, and most of us, I think this time as I process, and as I get older, right, a little bit long in the tooth, I look back and it's like, even this year, it's kind of a, coin flip. Like, what am I going to do this year? Am I going to sit home and watch football all day and eat and hang out and play games? Or am I going to go exercise or go, you know, or, and I, and honestly, on New, New Year's Eve, I'm like, I don't know. I'll decide tomorrow. <laughs> it's just never a good plan. And uh, in, 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 in that, I, most of us, our approach is to either be really structured or commit to being structured or just be really kind of laissez-faire and just kind of indulge and just kind of just enjoy, right? And just kind of, and, and I've heard it described as chaos or rigidity. And some of us lean toward one or the other. We lean toward the, the, the spiritual words, if you will, would be law or license. Right? I'm gonna, I, I need these boundaries, I need this structure, I'm gonna do these things, I'm gonna commit to it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna resolve to do these things, or I'm just gonna do whatever I feel like, I'm gonna kinda go with the flow, just eat when I want, sleep when I want, wake up when I want, do whatever. And most of us tend toward one, and then we'll often like quickly bounce off of that extreme and try the other for a while, typically to kind of end back to where we were, and this isn't new. This isn't new to our to our day. Uh, in fact, God's people uh, often tend toward one or the other. Um, often, the re- religious or ultra religious would be legalistic, and then there would be some people that would respond to that or react to that, and would become really licentious and would just be like, "Yeah, it doesn't re- really matter. I'll just kind of do whatever I want and figure it out." and God's message, his invitation has always been to find ourselves in him, to live in freedom and in victory based on who he is. 
And so Hebrews, where we'll be together this morning, the book of Hebrews is is primarily written to a group of people that would lean toward law. They would lean toward uh, this year's going to be different. I've got this, this plan. Every minute of every day is scheduled. Like, here, kids, Happy New Year. Here's your spreadsheet. We're going to stick to it. We're going to go through these things. Um, it, it'll be good. You know, trust me. I Actually, one of the many football games we had on yesterday, Notre Dame. Um, who, how many of you watched that game? I mean, it was the Fiesta Bowl. And they were playing um, Oklahoma State, and they were talking about the new coach at Notre Dame and talked about how 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 the coach's dad is uh, is a was a military man and he didn't even come to the game because he didn't want his son to think he was that big of a deal and they and the commentators were kind of talking about it and they're talking about every morning the dad would wake his son up and he'd do like air squats you know like good morning get up air squat time and just every morning and and so some of us lean that way. Well, well, the, the message, so Hebrews, most of the audience would have leaned that way, but there were others who would overreact to that and would say, I'm just going to do what I want. I'm going to live freely, just whatever I feel like I will do. And the primary message, church, that I want us to understand this morning, because, you know, this isn't going to be a New Year's, you know, sermon of, oh, do, do this, do, you know, and you guys probably know me. I tend to react against the, like, five steps to happiness and joy or whatever, you know, that's just, um, I tend to not like that, but, 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 but what, what I want to give us, what I want us to be, be based on this year, last year, next year is this, the message that God calls us to live together in freedom and victory because Jesus will never leave and will never change. Everything else will let us down. But that message, Jesus will never leave. Jesus will never change. Build your life on that. Live a life that flows out of that. If you lean toward structure, that's fine. That's great. But let that not be your firm, final foundation. Because if that is, that will come crashing down. There will be times, there will be seasons where you can't overstructure, you can't overplan, you can't control. If you lean toward freedom, laissez-faire, right? Like there are some good in that, okay? That's not all bad. Maybe you're more adventurous, you're more kind of fly by the seat of your pants. Maybe you're more willing to, you know, open your home, to stop and pick up a hitchhike, to come help your stranded pastor whose car broke down on December 30th. Thank you, Dana. Um, it, you can, you know, like maybe you're more quick, you know, toward that. You're just like, oh, wherever it is though, it must be built on Jesus. So what we're going to do now is we're going to walk through an eight point sermon. All right. Happy new year. Get ready. No, we're going to walk through the first eight verses of Hebrews chapter 13, because what's been happening where we've, where Hebrews is, is Hebrews chapter 11 gives what's called like the hall of faith. And it's this, in, a, in, in, in short, so that is still the sound of this generation. Is, uh, so my wife knocked hers over earlier too, so you're not alone. And uh, so now Jean Bottles rolling downstairs and smashing on, you know, loud echoing off walls. Still, that hasn't changed. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 11 walks through people who ultimately 
relied on Jesus, not even knowing the name of Jesus. But ultimately, their lives were built upon God's faithfulness. And in turn, though it's actually full of a bunch of scoundrels, most of their names are people that really lived terribly. But God remained faithful and fulfilled his story through them. And then Hebrews chapter 12 says, now you know Jesus. You've heard of him. You've seen him. So now your faith can can be directed toward him. Run, endure, persevere together. He will hold on to you and he has seated and he has finished the race. So run toward him and live a life of freedom and victory as you run toward Jesus. And then now chapter 13 gets into, well, what does that look like? It sounds great, right? You can put that on your track spikes or your whatever it is, right? Oh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, run with endurance, a race set before you, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. But what does that really look like? Well, Hebrews chapter 13, I think, gives us a, a, a picture of what it looks like to live together in freedom and victory as God's people. Verse 1, let brotherly love continue. When in doubt, love. All throughout the scriptures, specifically in the New Testament, if you don't have love, you have nothing. If you don't have love, it even says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you are nothing. Right? Though you have all knowledge and all wisdom, though you have the gift of prophecy, though you you can heal people, though you can understand tongues or speak in the tongues of men and of angels. You have all these things that people would aspire to and desire to. If you don't have love, it's nothing. In James, we're told there that if your love is not evidenced by your life, it's not real. That faith is hollow. So church, what do we do, right? Looking back at the last year and a half, now two years, what do we do? What? Oh, I know, I'm gonna gonna have all wisdom. I'm gonna know all things. I'm gonna write this blog that's gonna change the world. If it's not based out of love, if the impact is not love, if the effect is not love, it is nothing. Love. When in doubt, love. What do we do in 2022? What does 2022 have in store for us? I have no idea, but I know that Jesus calls us to love, that Jesus, his plan is to display himself, his goodness to the world. How? Through our love. Primarily, John 17 says, through our love for each other. So the author of Hebrews says, let brotherly love continue. Man, me, I'm one of four boys, and then we have a bunch of step siblings and half siblings in there, and we have brawled. I was thinking back to one of my stepbrothers and one of the, I'll just confess this right here. We got into a spitting fight when I was 13, so it wasn't like five, right? And he was a freshman in high school, and I was in seventh grade, and we were straight up spitting on each other. That's disgusting. First of all, we'd be, we'd be locked up for doing that today, right? It's pre, pre-COVID, thankfully. But it's disgusting, but there is a love there that, that still to this day, and that's a step-sibling, and we love each other so deeply, so dearly. Like, love each other, not kind of neat, clean, churchy love, 
right, that's easy to live, but easy to look, weave behind, but a love that pushes you toward one another, that compels you, that, 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 that commits you. But not just for ourselves in verse 2. It says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entered have entertained angels unaware. So love each other. Now, some of us, right, are like, okay, I love other Christians. There was a a survey done a number of years ago that asked people, what's the first word that comes to mind? And it was kind of a word association, and and the word was Christian, and the first word that people gave was me. What's the first word that comes to mind when you hear this, when you hear that, when you hear Christian? it? It was me. So some of us need to learn how to love each other, and some of us need to learn to love like Jesus, who loved his enemies, and not just his enemies out there, you and me. We're told in um, Romans that God demonstrates his love for us in that while we're yet sinners, enemies, Christ died for us. So sometimes as we, we learn and grow in here as a, as a church, we consume. And, and if we consume and there's no output, that leads to constipation. Okay, let that be an image that sits with us. If we just sit here and we just have an internal love and it's not expressed, it doesn't, it doesn't outflow into the world, into our everyday lives between Sunday and Sunday, then it's... It's broken, it's hollow, it's shallow. The gift of hospitality, some of us think we have the gift of hospitality. I've, I've heard it said that if it's all people you like and all people that you have the same faith as, that's fellowship. But hospitality uh, has an understanding that it's, it's with outsiders, with others. So what... Whatever that might look like, are there, and guys, I, even as I was preparing this and thinking about it, I was like, man, but again, watching multiple football games yesterday in my sweatpants and able to doze off and snore whenever I wanted and, you know, whatever, you know, d- double dip, right? If it's, if it's just your family, you're double dipping in the, in the dip and all that, right? But if you have, na- you have neighbors over, you know, you have other people and you know, what's it going to look like? It's, uh, it's not as comfortable. It's not as easy. But, but we're called to hospitality. What does it look like, again, to live in victory and freedom? Verse 3, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. It's so much easier in this season for us to just kind of move on. I got an email a couple days ago from a, a, a couple that, we love a dear couple who moved away and they and they weren't sure if they were going to move for sure and they wrote back and said hey we're, we're we are going to move we're, we've moved and part of me i'll just be honest is growing a little bit hardened toward goodbyes like it's it's harder to stand in solidarity with people it's harder to genuinely say we love you we'll miss you it's harder when new people come Right? Some of you here are new or brand new. We've, maybe this is your first time, and, and I don't know if you're like this, but if you, maybe you have a redemption community, a, sm- a small group, a Bible study, or throughout this last couple of years, you've had to say goodbye to people, sadly, like maybe through 
death, maybe through the disagreement, maybe just through job movement. It's it's getting old. And 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 we're prone to want to just maybe not make new friends, not not invite others into our community again because we just had to say goodbye to others out of our community, and it just it gets it gets old. It's hitting hard. But 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 because of Jesus, when we stand in Jesus, when we look at the ministry of Jesus toward us, then then we're left with this raw, potentially painful but ultimately good place of, of, of remembering others because he first remembered us. And all of these charges are built upon what he's done for us. And then in verse 4, he says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled, undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous church hang like look at me right now what does it look like for us to be a holy that word holy means set apart a holy set apart people because of our view of marriage because of our practice of marriage now if i just stop there probably that would sound like oh yeah that's what i think of when i think of evangelical christian again i think of blogs i think of sermons i think of you know posts of bumper stickers of statements, right? All about the sanctity of marriage, the goodness of marriage. Like we need to look inward. We need to have a posture of desperation and of, of humility and of, and of, of crying out for, for God to make something true of us before we start to engage in everyone else. Marriage within the church is incredibly broken. We were—I was hanging out with a group of guys last night, and just we were we we're, we're, we're talking. It's difficult. Hear me. Marriage is beautiful, has eternal value and significance. A friend from. California called me two days ago, three days ago, and asked me because he thought he might have had COVID and he was supposed to officiate a wedding in Tucson. And he was like, hey, if I can't make it, can you step in? You don't know this couple. You don't know any of their family. I said, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I believe in so highly in God's plan and his design, his purpose for marriage. That he said that the most clear picture of Jesus's relationship with the church his bride, he's the groom, and we, collectively, the church, are his bride. There's eternal value and significance in that. It's weighty. It's, it's purposeful. So if you are, are, are married, understand it is not just, you know, two people who fulfill each other. It's not, oh, this is good for me. It's not we fell in and out of love. It's, oh, we've, we're in different places. It's going to be better for us. It's going to be better for the kids. No, there is value and worth. And this isn't just two married people. If you're single, if you will always be single, like Jesus, like Paul, who remained single for the rest of his life from when he put his faith in 
in Jesus. You have value and worth, and you still can honor God's plan, his design for marriage, the beauty of marriage through how you engage with others, how you relate with the opposite sex as brothers and sisters, how we, what we do online, what, how, we, how we engage in just the world around us, what kind of conversations we, we have, what, how we go about it. And, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, I want there to be, to be fervor here. I want you to hear this seriousness because in many ways I would say we are failing. We are flailing. Marriages are in des- probably in this room right now. There are marriages that are desperate. And I want to tell you, church, you're not alone. We need to take off the masks. This is not a place where you have to pretend. You have to show up and slap on a smile. Your marriage matters. Your relationship matters. If you're single, your potential future relationship matters. What will it look like for you to honor your future wife or your future husband through how you live right now? Don't go it alone. That's, that's one of the biggest lies in our world is, oh, you're all alone. Go out alone. Like, this is going to be different. No, if you're, if you're struggling, if you might struggle, which is everyone in this room, right? We don't know what the next year, what temptation might come, what, what might look like. Be involved in a community. Get involved in men's and women's ministries. Those are places that have, that have taken the lead in saying this isn't like we can take off the mask here. How are you doing? We're going to meet you where you're at, and then we're going to call you toward Jesus. Pursue mentorship. Let us pursue purity together alongside one another. Premarriage counseling, marriage counseling. We need to have these things, and hear me, they're available. Again, you're not alone. Oh, I pray even now that we will fight with each other at times in order to fight for each other, alongside one another, for something that Jesus gave himself for. And then in verse 5, he says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. Money isn't evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. The ultimate, build your life on. Your, 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 gun, your life is, your hope is found. Your identity is found. Your, and, and let me say too, because I grew up very poor, um, people with money are not the only people who, who can idolize wealth. A lot of times people in poverty have this, this idolatrous relationship, this unhealthy relationship. We were feast or famine. Again, I was talking with these guys about this last night, and, and we had a really unhealthy relationship with money when we didn't have it and when we had it. So wherever you're, you're coming from, it's a, this is an opportunity to evaluate your heart because, again, the message is not money's bad. The message is if that's your hope, if that's your treasure, it will fail you. It will never fail to fail you. Whether you have it and you're clinging to it or you don't have it and you're longing for it, it will fail you. So he says, keep your life free from the love of money for or because he has said, I will never leave you 
nor forsake you. Let that sink in for a minute. What does it mean to you right now? Have you experienced loss? Is there any other relationship in your life that you are absolutely positive you will not lump lose? Jesus' message to you is, I know you're scared. I know you've experienced loss. I know this relationship feels too good to be true, so put up a wall, protect yourself. 20 years into marriage, I still am tempted to do this. I've had a candid conversation in the last number of months with my wife. After having lost my dad, my brother, other things, it just said it's just easier. I'm not, we're not, I think because I've seen so much divorce, I feel like I would, I would die before I, I would kind of do that. But I'm still at times tempted to shut down, to harden up, to say, oh, it's just easier this way. I know how to navigate the world this way. But the scary invitation of Jesus is no, you can freely give yourself away. You can let your guard down. You can continue to move toward people even though you might get hurt again because Jesus looks at you, puts his hands on your shoulders. If you want to turn away like I do, like a five-year-old child, he patiently and gently puts his hand on your cheek and says, look back at me. I'm not going anywhere. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never mock you. I'll never shake my head at you in shame when you wander away. I'll I'll pursue you. Sometimes I'll lovingly discipline you, but I'll always call you back. I love you. I'll never leave you. You don't have to look in sexual promiscuity, right? Verse four. You, You don't need to look outside your marriage. You don't need to try to control your life with money and success and power. That stuff can leave you. That stuff will fail you. Jesus says, I never will. And then he continues on. He says, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Outside of Jesus, this is, this is a hollow and yet arrogant statement. What can, oh, no one can hurt me. No one can, again, my kind of adult temper tantrum a couple months ago when my wife and I were talking, I talked about, oh, I'm going to harden up. I just know how to navigate that. That's born out of insecurity, right? Often arrogance and insecurity go hand in hand. They, they go right next to each other. But sometimes, we, oh, what can, no one can hurt me. No one can touch me. I built, I built this kingdom. I've. You know, I, I'm, 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 I'm a, I'm a, I'm a vote fault, but it's not true. We don't even believe that. We can try to convince ourselves that we do. But because of Jesus, because Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you, we can have a security and a confidence. We can have a boldness that the world cannot make sense of, but it's also directly connected to humility. Humble boldness. I love that phrase. What a beautiful, like, hyphenate that. Humble boldness. Outside of Jesus, humility without boldness is ultimately weakness and fear. 
But because of Jesus, it's connected to boldness. Now, outside of humility, boldness is arrogance. It's rash. It's domineering. It's, again, ultimately insecure. It's hollow. It's fake. But through Jesus, there's humility and boldness together. And then the author goes on in verse 7 and says, Remember your leaders. When I said that phrase, humble boldness, someone came to mind for you. Follow that person. Reach out to that person. Ask them about how they've learned that, how they've navigated it. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Our, our hope as a church is that we will, we, you will know we are imperfect people. Collectively, we're imperfect, and you're being led by imperfect people. But our invitation is, come follow us as we follow Jesus. Come follow Jesus together with us. And for those who have gone before us, those who have walked a couple steps before us, we can look at them and say, I know their marriage isn't perfect, but they've been married for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, five years. I, I will wonder what month two was like for them. When for me, the honeymoon phase started to wear off or eyes were opened. I, the, I started to smell the bad breath. The toilet seat is let up now, whatever it is, you know, or kids. How did they navigate the teen years? How did they navigate the terrible twos that was a lie because they're now three and it's, they have more vocabulary and stronger will. You know, how, how did they navigate that? How did this person navigate singleness in their 30s or 40s? How did this person navigate the loss of a parent or a broken relationship? For me, it's, I mean, how did that pastor turn 60 and continue as a pastor when they were 40? And when their illusion of a perfect, pretty picture was blown up by not COVID, but something for them, right? We need mentors. Again, men's and women's ministries, redemption communities. Don't go it alone. The lone ranger, the maverick, no one does that successfully. Let's follow Jesus together. Again, imitate people's faith. And then lastly, all of this is built upon a foundation. Because as I said, 2022, what's it going to hold? We don't know. The only constant is change, right? The only thing you and I can count on is change. Except for the promise, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everything else will change. Everything else or everyone else in some way will weave you and will forsake you. But Jesus will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So church, what does it look like for you as an individual to live a life of freedom and victory? to have structure and some chaos built upon the foundation of Jesus.
built upon the promise that Jesus will never leave you or forsake you and that Jesus will never change. What does it look like for us together as a church? As we respond, as we prepare to respond right now, let's consider what does it look like for us to not have our hopes built on more pleasure, more chaos, more consumption, or more structure, more control, more rigidity, but a collective posture of humility and strength, boldness, knowing that our hope, our faith, our marriages, our relationships, our lives, our finances are built upon the facts that Jesus will never leave, he will never turn his back, he will never forsake, and he will never change. Let's pray together. Again, Father, we come as your children together, acknowledging our need for you. Lord, will you lead us to love? Let brotherly love continue, Lord. We don't know how to do that. It's so much easier to harden up. It's so much easier to remain distant. It's so much easier to let feuds just continue. But Lord, you love us. Even when we're sinners, even when we're your enemies, you move toward us. Lord, I pray that your love toward us will ground us, will set us free, will allow us to live victoriously and confidently and boldly among one another, with one another. Lord, pursuing your people, carrying out your mission in response to your faithfulness, to your love, to your promise. Amen.